française. Good morning. Good morning to our online community as well who are joining us. Um, before I get started, uh, during worship, um, there was a line from a movie that came into my head. Um, some of you may have seen the movie. It's called The Holiday. It's a Christmas movie. And um, there's a music composer in this mo movie who writes music for movies. That's his job. And there's a scene in the movie where he writes a song for a new friend that he's made. And he tells her, I only used the best notes. And it came into my mind today that um, God would say to you today that when he composed you, when he put you together, he only used the best notes. And some of you here today, I think, there might be some people here who've been told otherwise. And maybe you don't know the truth of what I've just said to you. But God would say to you, when he put you together, when he composed your life, he only used the best notes. I get to share the third sermon in our Advent series called Of Relatives and Rejection. Let's start with reading from the Word. Luke 2, 1 to 7 says, In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. Now, hidden beneath these verses is a whole other story. Joseph returns to the place he belongs, the place his family, his extended family, is from. And amongst all those people, not one of them opened their doors to Joseph. Not one of them found a small space in their dwelling where mats could be laid on the floor for this family. Not one. And the reason was Mary. Mary was pledged to be married. She was not yet married, but she's pregnant. She's with child. Their voices that this child was a miraculous gift from God had fallen on deaf ears. Mary and Joseph have brought shame on their family and nobody wanted to go near them. Nobody wanted their reputation to be tainted. Mary and Joseph were rejected and no room was available for them. And so they find themselves in a room made for animals. And Jesus is born. Mary wraps him up and places him in a food trough where the animals would normally eat from. Their comfort level, maybe two out of ten. But what about the smell? 
Just stop for a minute. Have you been in a room with livestock? Or where livestock were once inside? Not very pleasant. Maybe zero out of ten? Isaiah 53.3 says, He was despised and rejected by men, a man of suffering and acquainted with disease. He was despised as one from whom men hide their face and we did not respect him. Even before Jesus was born, he was despised and rejected. His own flesh and blood hid their face from him. Now juxtapose this with smiling rosy faces, a roaring fire, Christmas stockings all in a line, smell of turkey wafting from the oven, beautifully wrapped gifts meticulously chosen, piled high under the exquisitely decorated Christmas tree. Everyone in their matching Christmas jumpers, just like what Damien's wearing down here. Or maybe matching Christmas pyjamas or Christmas socks. Michael Buble crooning away in the background. You see, putting the first Christmas experience beside our current expectations of what Christmas should be, there is a huge discrepancy. The first Christmas was messy. And Joseph and Mary were feeling very real feelings of rejection and loss, estranged from their family, isolated from a community that could only see an unwed mother. To now, when we do everything we can to create the perfect Christmas experience for ourselves, even so far as deliberately avoiding any relatives who may potentially mess up our perfect Christmas. The problem with this is that we are not perfect. Life is not perfect. Rejection, loss, disappointment, imperfection, confusion is still as real and current today as it was at the very first Christmas. Maybe your story is similar to Jesus's. Maybe you know all too well what it's like to be rejected by your family. Maybe Christmas does not bring the family welcome or connection that it should. Maybe you're the only believer in your family. Christmas is not celebrated and maybe your faith leaves you feeling lonely and at times despised. Rejection can close us off. But the first Christmas can give us hope. Yes, Joseph, Mary and Jesus were rejected by their relatives and left to fend for themselves. But others came to witness and share in the joy of that first Christmas. Wise men and shepherds. In Luke 2, verses 16 to 20, it records the joy and the praise and the treasured moments that were brought into Mary and Joseph's lives by the shepherd. Luke 2, verses 16 to 20 says, So the shepherds hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. And Mary treasured up all these things, 
and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned glorifying, praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they'd been told. You see, the beauty of Jesus' birth is that it created the opportunity for us all to be drawn back into family. You know, I have always loved Christmas, and as I was reflecting on this and on this sermon that I was preparing, I realized that Christmas was the time of my personal rejection and also the time of my adoption into my forever family. In 1973, some of you are working out how old I am right now. Let me save you the trouble, I'm turning 50 very soon. (laughs) In 1973, four days before Christmas, I was born to an unwed schoolgirl. She brought shame on her family and she was sent away to have me in secret in another part of Australia. I was put up for adoption and two weeks later I was swept into my forever family. Adoption to me is the epitome of love. Where there is no blood connection and yet love comes and wraps you up as its own. Christmas undoes rejection. Jesus comes and he wraps you up as his own. We are all given the opportunity to be adopted into his love. I challenge you that if you struggle with rejection, let this Christmas be the one that begins to set you free. Let it be your adoption story. John 1 verses 12 to 14 says, Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, not of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh. Jesus made his dwelling among us. We've seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father full of grace and truth. When you accept Jesus as your savior, you are lovingly swept into his family. And you are lovingly swept into this family. And in a church of this size, No one should be alone this Christmas. There is a challenge here that I am deliberately giving to us all. A challenge for us to reach out, to be vulnerable, to make space in our homes for those who need to experience family this Christmas. What else can we learn from the first Christmas? What was its purpose? What was the purpose of the first Christmas? Jesus came into the world to make sure every human being knew their full worth, that they were loved and that they were valuable. What would our Christmas look like if our sole focus was to ensure that the people in our lives came away from Christmas fully loved, 
fully assured of their value. You see, the trouble is that Christmas comes with lots of traditions. I mentioned some earlier. I have fond memories from my childhood of a present opened the night before Christmas. It always contained a new set of clothes that we would wear the next day to church. We couldn't open the rest of our presents till we got home from church. We were always envious of the families who let their kids open their presents on Christmas morning. And once we got home, we'd have a big Christmas dinner with a Christmas ham, grandma's potato salad, and all the trimmings. We often had people at our table that were not blood-related. In the early years, we often had students from Papua New Guinea that mum and dad would bring back with them to Australia. My mum and dad were teachers in Papua New Guinea, and every Christmas they would pay for some senior students to accompany them back with our family to Australia to have Christmas. And in the later years, I remember bringing loads of our friends from university back to my parents' place to share Christmas. After a big Christmas lunch, we'd play a game of backyard cricket and then get stuck into the leftovers because there's always leftovers on Christmas Day. Here are some photos from my childhood of students that my mum and dad brought back from Papua New Guinea to us to share Christmas with us. That's a little Susanna up there with the blonde hair. <laughs> Sorry, they're so hard to see because obviously they're back in, you know, the time when cameras were not that great. <laughs> Over the years, I've tried to recreate some of these traditions for my own children, wanting them to experience some of the joy that I remember from my childhood. And there's nothing inherently wrong with this. But recently, God got my attention and shared something with me that I'd like to share with you today. A month ago, I was at Bethany on Chung Chow Island having a retreat. If you don't know what Bethany is, it's a retreat center on Chung Chow Island. Uh, very cheap, uh, but a beautiful place that you can go if you just want to stop you can either take your family or go as an individual. I highly recommend it. And when I go there, there's a place I go to sit in the morning. It's out on the rocks, on a cliff, overlooking the water. Every time I go to Bethany, I visit this same spot and have a quiet time. It's become a bit of a tradition. Well, this time when I got there, it began to rain. At first, it was a light shower. And then it became a downpour. I didn't want to leave. This was my tradition. So I began searching for a dry place. I eventually found one tucked under some trees. However, as I was sitting there, I realized I could see none of the views, none of the beautiful views that I loved going to that place for. So I began searching again. And after 10 minutes, I stopped and I said, God, you knew I was going to be here. You prompted me to come. What are you trying to tell me? And I felt God say to me, you can continue to waste time trying to recapture an experience you've had in the past, 
Or you can embrace the reality of this moment, this new moment in time, and create a new experience, a new memory. You see, when we try to recapture an experience or memory from the past, you might create a version of it, like sitting in the dry space under the tree. But you'll miss out on the views. You'll miss out on the beauty of the new things you could have experienced. At that first Christmas, Joseph's family were trying to hold on to their reputation, their traditions. But the reality was that life had changed. Circumstances had changed. Joseph and Mary's life had changed. Yes, it was messy, but they were family. Instead of embracing this, Joseph's family chose to try and keep up the appearance of the perfect family by distancing themselves from the mess. So let me ask again, what would our Christmas look like if our sole focus was to ensure that the people in our lives came away from Christmas fully loved and fully assured of their value? Would it look a little more messy? Would there be more people at our table? Would there be moments of tears as we held someone who might be experiencing their first Christmas without their spouse or their friend or their grandparent or their child? If we relinquished our preconceptions of what Christmas should be and instead made it a time of welcome, a time of inclusion where rejection is undone and loss is acknowledged, a time of deep love, a time where we reaffirm value despite the chaos and despite the mess. Maybe, just maybe, we will see wondrous new views and unexpected beauty in the midst of the mess. Something like what the wise men experienced. In the middle of all the mess of Herod and his scheming, the wise men go on their way and the star they'd seen in the east goes ahead of them and it stops over the place where the child is. When they saw the star, they're overjoyed and on coming inside, they see the child with his mother Mary, and they bow and worship him. They open their treasures and they present him with gifts. The wise men got to see this wondrous new view, the brand new baby born in the midst of the chaos of that time. Upholding the traditions of Christmas, the food, the presents, the decorations, it can be stressful. I'm a little bit stressed at the moment because my Four growing children have all their presents wrapped under the tree, and I don't have one. Very stressful. <laughs> the first Christmas came with some gifts, but in every other way, it was very ordinary. Why did God bring his son into the world this way, almost in the poorest, humblest way? Why? when he could have arranged it 
so differently. I think there are two main reasons. I think he wanted to identify with his creation, with us, with the least. To tell us this Christmas that he understands what it is to be without. He understands what it is to be estranged from family, to be lonely and in need. He understands what it is to feel rejected, to feel unseen, and to be labelled invaluable by society. In our mess, our chaos, our confusion, our disappointment, our loneliness, our exclusion, our rejection, Jesus can look us straight in the eye And he can say, I fully understand. I've been there. Another reason I believe God chose to bring his son into the world in this way is to loudly proclaim that he would not be all about the bells and the whistles, all the external trappings of wealth and position and privilege and pride. He would not be like any earthly king. His kingdom would not focus on the outward, but the inward. Can we be reminded this Christmas that it is not about the bells and whistles? Can we lay aside any stress that is building? Can we lay aside any strivings for the perfect Christmas? Can we learn from Jesus what Christmas is truly all about? Christmas can be simple, and Christmas can be messy. Christmas can be different from what it has been before. This Christmas, can we be challenged to embrace the new moment we are in? Can we be challenged to create some new views? Can we open up our family home to those who need it the most? Can we be challenged to reconcile and invite family members back in who've previously been shut out? Instead of lavishing expensive gifts on people, can we give them the gift of our time, our presence, our love? Can we make sure that the least in our worlds are remembered? that they're visited, that they're given gifts. I want you to stop and think, who are the people in your life? Who are the least that God has surrounded your life with? Are they domestic workers? Are they elderly relatives? Are they refugee families? Are Are they people who have no one to spend Christmas with? There's a lot of people in Hong Kong who have no family here to spend Christmas with. And in fact, when we came to Hong Kong, we were very lonely. And when it came to Christmas time, we decided that we would open up our Christmas table to anyone who didn't have a place to go. 
And we forge some of the most beautiful relationships from those times. Some of the people we've shared Christmas with are in the services today. Some of them will be joining us on Christmas Day still. If in our loneliness we had not reached out, if we'd not been vulnerable, we would have missed out on all those beautiful new views, all those beautiful friends that we now have, that we've made family. Jesus' purpose in coming was to make sure every human knows their full worth, that they are fully loved and fully valuable. Can this become our purpose this Christmas? Can you stand with me? Father, we just come to you. And in the midst of all this crowd, each of us is seen by you. Because you don't see a crowd, God. You see individuals that you love, that you know, that you value. Father, we just ask that this Christmas we will take the opportunity to reimagine it. See what it could be. Ask you if there's something new that you want us to do with it. Someone you want us to draw near. Someone you want us to love better. Someone you want us to reconcile with and to give a second chance to. Father, we just remember in this moment how loved we are. Wrap us up afresh in your kindness and your love. And Father, this Christmas, may it be a little bit messy. May we be willing to open up ourselves to share it with a few more people, to share it with someone maybe who's grieving. And Father, I also pray for people standing here today and no one's ever told you that you were composed with all the beautiful notes. You've never heard that you are so loved that God didn't even withhold his own son. He wanted you to know that you are fully valuable, fully treasured. And if you don't know that today, then I encourage you to pray with someone, to let someone know because you are loved with a love that has no end to it.
Father, for those of us who've been blessed with much, show us ways to make the least be seen this Christmas. That they might know that they are known and that you see them. Father, we just thank you for the example that you gave us of that first Christmas. You didn't make it something that was so out of reach that none of us could reach it. You made it something so simple, just relationships. No material things. We can all do that, God. Just great love. Fill us all afresh with your great love, your capacity that goes beyond offenses, that goes beyond estrangement, that goes beyond our limits and makes a way where there is no way. This Christmas, God, may the people in our lives leave Christmas fully assured of that they are loved fully assured that they are valued and that they are known. In your precious name, amen.